We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. They're winners of six of their last seven. They win 122 to 114 against the Toronto Raptors. First of all, how you doing? And secondly, what'd you think about that game? Oh man, life is good. Let the good times roll, Alex. It is a <laughs> such a fun time to be a Pacers fan right now. They go a perfect 4-0 on the homestand right over there. And this is a, another game that, you know, going in the fourth quarter, it's tight. It's a one-point game to start, and you're wondering this could go either way. And once again, we see our Pacers close out a team in the fourth quarter. It's something we could not say for for quite a while. I mean, the Pacers had second-half struggles for what feels like years. But lately, that has not been the case. And it feels like it's someone different stepping up each time. Got to give a lot of props to the bench for this one, Fachi. The fact that they came in and dominated the way that they did, I think you got to start off with Benedict Matherin. 21 points, Fachi, 6 of 9 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 7 of 10 from the free throw line. He was terrific out there at the best plus minus at plus 21, and ironically, he scored 21 points in the game. And then somebody that's kind of been dogged on for most of the season, TJ McConnell, probably had his best game of the year, 15 points, 3 assists, but check this out, 7 of 7 from the free throw line. He was a foul magnet in this game, and honestly, him and Matherin were like, the only ones that really put a dent in the free throw attempts for the Pacers. So love to see that. And then lastly, um, didn't make my tweet last night because I ran out of characters, but Jalen Smith, 11 points, 11 rebounds, plus nine for the game in just 17 minutes off the bench, shot five of 10. So, you know, really, you got to give the bench credit for pulling the starters out of this one and letting the starters then be able to close it when it got close towards the end. But I just love the bench performance. 
Oh, you want to talk about the bench? I got a stat for you. Hit the me. Pacers bench unit outscored the Raptors bench unit 52 to 7. <laughs> the seven points that Toronto's bench unit scored was the fewest in the NBA this season, and it was the fourth largest bench scoring differential of all time. Wow, that's so, big. Yeah, I mean, the second unit brought it yesterday. So it was amazing to see. I mean, you, you touched on McConnell, the seven free throws. Alex, a career high for McConnell. Oh, so is that a career high? It is. It that's is. interesting. It, okay. it was awesome to see. I mean, you know, 15 points right there. You, t- you touched on Matherin, Jalen Smith's double-double. Just great to see, but also the starters. Yeah. I mean, you, you didn't have a guy go off for 30, but once again, you had a balanced effort of seven pacers in double-digit scoring. And I, I thought down the stretch, Buddy Heald had hit some big shots. He had nine points in the fourth quarter. He had an M1 followed by two back-to-back three-pointers that really put that final nail in the coffin for Toronto where, where they just did not seem like a threat. And, and it was it, it was huge because Buddy's a guy that he had been so hot lately. And when I looked at it, you know, in a couple of minutes left in the fourth, he wasn't having one of those typical Buddy games. You know, just two made threes. He finishes the game with 19 points on 7 of 11 shooting. You would have never known it. And just, just fantastic play by Buddy last night. I've been calling him Buddy the flamethrower heel, but should I change his nickname to Big Shot? Ooh, anytime you're going with Big Shot, I mean, it's it shows that you're ready, and he has been hitting big shots, and it could happen at any point. It could be within the first three seconds of the game, or it could be technically basically in the last few seconds of the game, <laughs> and that's you never know what you're going to get with Buddy Heel. He's going to hit a big shot somewhere in the game, though, because mm-hmm. he's – Got such a quick release. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch him play basketball, especially shooting the basketball. He's been so much fun to watch offensively. And then you got Tyrese Halliburton, you know, 16 points on 7 of 15 shooting. So it, it was an okay game from Halliburton, but eight assists, six rebounds. He was able to be, you know, decisive and, and pick his spots once again. Miles Turner, another great game from Miles, 9 of 14 from the field, 18 points, 10 rebounds, and he had two blocks. Now, you know, I, I will say this. The, the the Raptors did a really nice job early on with Pascal Siakam. He was hot, but the Pacers slowed him down there towards the end. Scotty Barnes had probably one of his best games of the year, and then Gary Trent went off. But being able to keep Fred Van Vliet in check, 3 of 15, was huge for this Pacers team because Van Vliet, when he's playing well, you know, he can be he can be a tough matchup. And I felt like defensively, Tyrese just kind of had Van Vliet on a rope in the fourth quarter which was just beautiful to see because Tyrese, you know, going up against a better defender in Van Vliet was able to use his size and his, you know, he just has such a nice change of pace. Like he's so good about doing that. So, you know, wanted to give uh, some credit there for that, but, you know, just felt like Turner was just consistent all the way through. Neesmith, once again, tough matchup for him. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but was still impactful. Same with Nimhart. You know, he barely even touched the basketball shooting it wise and, Still five points in the game and just effective defensively. But overall, I just felt like you said, Fachi, it was a team effort once again. And we've seen that on multiple occasions this year. And that's the way this team's built. You know, some nights it's going to be Tyrese dropping 30. Some nights it might be Miles dropping 30 or Matherin or, or Hield or whatever. But most of the time when this team has four or five guys in double figures, they're going to win big games. Sharing the ball very well. It's 
the togetherness of this unit. TJ McConnell had a quote basically said, kind of our theme is just togetherness. Through the highs, through the lows, we got to stay together. Uh, in A2 game season, there's going to be highs. There's definitely going to be lows. But we've experienced both of those. But the thing that's most important is how together we are. And that's what we're seeing over here is like sometimes it's not the sexiest thing. Sometimes this team is letting up 120 points or so on a night. But they're finding a way. And, and and that's the difference between this Pacers team and teams of the past is to find that way to get it done. And it could be anyone's night on any given night, but someone's rising to the occasion lately. And Toronto, they're a dangerous team. I know their record doesn't show it, but this is a team the Pacers struggled with for years. They're very athletic. But I got to say one thing. Alex, no matter how many times I see him, he still continues to give me PTSD. But seeing Nate Bjorkman on the sideline, it just kind of freaks me out a bit. So, woo, I mean, give me give me this era of the Pacers team over the Bjorkman era because I still ain't ready to really face that. I mean, come on, Fachi. I got to bring up Nate Bjorkman, man. I mean, that's, that's such a thing of the past, man. Just let it go, bro. It's 2023. Let's try. never mention Nate Bjorkman the rest of the year. Let's do our best. I mean, if we play the Raptors in the playoffs, I know it's going to be inevitable that we bring it up. But with that being said, I don't know if they're going to make it. So, no, but you, you bring up some good points there, Fachi. And I, and I think ultimately, I just go back to what Rick Carlisle said because they were asking about certain individuals. And he said, it's never about certain individuals with this team. It's about playing together. You kind of brought that up with McConnell. It's just like you hear the same thing from the players and the coach. That to me is a sign of unity. And buying in to what the motto is for this team play for one another over exceed expectations play with a chip on your shoulder and go out there as carlisle would say and play with force and i think we're seeing that more and more you brought up how the raptors have had our number they're more of an athletic team well we have completely shifted the way our team is built and we have athletic players now so we're able to kind of keep up with that style of play where we finally welcomed in the Pacers era of the 21st century, because my goodness, you know, like the last five years, you know, we've seen the Warriors kind of showcase how playing with pace and space is the new thing to do. And we were kind of doing the opposite double bigs and playing slow with Brogdon and Karis Levert. And, you know, it was one of those things where we just had to kind of buy in to what's happening in the 2020s and, get with the get with the times and start playing faster. So I really have enjoyed this team overall. Another solid win, but a huge test is coming up, Flachi. The Philadelphia 76ers, the team right above us in the standings with the fifth seed. This is a great test for the Pacers to show who they really are. There's something about playing Philly and Milwaukee that always feel like the final exam of, of the semester or however you want to put it. <laughs> yeah, because those are that's always who we struggle against, even if Embiid's in the lineup or if he's not, because we've struggled when Embiid hasn't been there. But it always feels like that's that matchup for Miles Turner that's like, hey, look, you've been awesome lately, but I want to see how you do against Joel Embiid. And this is a big test for Turner to show that this is not the same miles from years past. So I got my eyes on that. And yeah, you talked about it for, for the standings. This, this could be a big one. So I'm really excited about that. And this Pacers team continues to prove me wrong time and time again, when we face the elite of the East or the elite of the NBA. So now I'm going in saying, Hey, you know what? The boys are sizzling right now. Anything mm -hmm. can happen. So 
I'm I'm not going to be surprised if the Pacers do take down Philly, but at the same point, I know it's going to be a challenge on the road, and I'm up for that challenge. Yeah, and I think, you know, this Philadelphia team, they've got some drama around them already with the James Harden rumors that came around Christmas, but they got Tyrese Maxey coming back. He'll be coming off the bench to kind of ease his way into things. And so, you know, they're a talented team, and I think it's going to be a good, you know, good test for the Pacers. But before we kind of uh, close out this first segment and bring on Scott Agnes, Gotta ask you, what'd you think about OG and Anobi talking to Tyrese Halliburton at the end of the game last night? Oh, trust me, my mind wanted to wander. I mean, all I was thinking is, tell me this is our turn to have one of those, yo, come get me type of things, or I want to play for you guys. Like, I was like, please, we've been waiting for this moment. And look, we'll never know what they really did talk about. But it definitely fuels the excitement of, man, Tyrese play- Tyrese Halbert is one of those players you want to play with. And things ain't too dandy in Toronto right now. So <laughs> anything could have been said. I'm just I'm just going to put this out here. I was on with JMV Tuesday night from about 5 to 5.30 talking about the Pacers. And it got brought up, do I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to have an impact on getting people here to play with the Pacers? And I talked a lot. But you know how I do that, Fachi. I talk in circles, yeah. trying to get my point across. But basically, I said, it's too early to tell right now, but I think it really could happen because DeAndre Ayton wanted to sign here with the Pacers. And yes, he wanted his money first and foremost, but at the same time, he still had to be accepting of the fact that, hey, if the, the Suns don't match this, I'm playing with Tyrese Halliburton, which we know is something that probably really did entice him. So I think you you got uh, the best free agent in last year's free agency class to sign an extension or sign a contract here with the Pacers, even though it was matched, an offer sheet. I think that this is a good sign. Multiple people we talked about on last podcast, I brought it up, are talking about Tyrese across the league. He's getting national recognition, and players are taking notice. Tyrese has put the Pacers back on the map of being relevant, and I think it's going to eventually come down to where we see guys like a David West type of player say, I wanted to come play with this Pacers team because of Tyrese. And and that makes me excited because I think he's that good of a player and that good of a leader that he's going to help this franchise get more players and, and, and attract more players to our team. I am 100% in agreement with you. I do think that this is the guy that changes the course of the history of this Pacers team. I know it sounds like a bold move, but talking about at least making us more of a destination where players want to go because – Tyrese has that impact to make everybody around him better. And, hey, you know I love a good stat. This one right now, in terms of players to have ever averaged 20 points per game, 10 assists per game, and shot 40% or better from three, the whole list is Tyrese Halliburton. He is the only player to have ever done that if he can keep up those averages for the rest of this year. That is extremely impressive, mm. and none of those stats are being de- are being wasted by a team at the bottom of the standings. He's doing it, playing, winning basketball, growing his game. So I think that's what really speaks volumes about his play. Totally agree, Fachi, and I love to hear stats like that. But we've got an important guest waiting for us to bring him on. So Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, going to talk all things Pacers right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, joining us now on Setting the Pace, it is Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. It's been a minute, Scott. Thanks so much for coming back on. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I uh, hope you guys had good New Year's. And uh, I know the Pacers certainly have, which we'll, we'll get into, but <laughs> 21 wins already. The over-under was 24.5. I saw a couple places, 23.5. And, and all indications from the team, not even just talking heads because they want to, all indications were from the team that it would be below that. So that's what's been so stunning about everything so far. I mean, look, when you talk about stunning, I mean, who or what has been the biggest surprise for you this year with this Pacers team? Because, I mean, you talked about the expectations. I was guilty of it. I, I undersold this Pacers team. But what's really stood out to you as, like, the surprise so far for this group? I don't know how you can't go with Halliburton because he continues to exceed all expectations. And we could go down the list of 10 different things. And Maybe he's ahead of the curve in this aspect, but more than anything, it's the way in which in the uh, how quickly Tyrese and the whole group has come together, built chemistry within just a matter of a month, really, is when I first saw it. Like, okay, you can see it, you can feel it a little bit. Now we're, what, three months into the year. They've done that most recently, the last couple of weeks. He's asserted himself more. He's closed games and helped the Pacers close games, which they were troubling with. Uh, early on and certainly last year as well. All roads lead to Halliburton, and I think that's going to be the case for the foreseeable future, which is a good thing. All right, Scott. So I saw your tweets about you're kind of over the whole Wally Zerbiak stuff, and I understand, and fans love it just because any motivation is good motivation. That's how I look at it, and it feels like Tyrese Halliburton used that as motivation, and you can say what you want, but the Pacers are 6-1 and since Wally Zerbiak made those comments. (laughs) Just saying, you're tracking that. I love it. Well, I just, I was just wondering because I'm like, they've been playing really well. They've won four in a row. I'm like, how many have they really lost over the last like seven, eight games? And I'm like, it's really funny because since he said that, like, we had the Celtics win, the Heat win, then they had that horrible loss to the Pelicans, but then they won four in a row since. So I'm just curious, you know, like, does Tyrese Halliburton like having that extra chip on his shoulder? Like, have you noticed anything different about him since those comments? I mean, do, do you think that? 
guys finding any little bit of information or any comments to try to push them to play a different style or take their game to the next level is something that they should do more often. Cause I mean, it's been incredible to watch since that whole entire thing went down. Yeah. I'll say this, and this is true for almost every player. It is amazing that at this level for the dollars they make, the competitiveness that you see come out for the importance of every single win, there's absolutely great validity to the fact that they still want motivation, still need to motivation, still seek out motivation. Some make it up. Like, I can't believe this person said it about you. Or I even joke, Halliburton a couple games ago goes, look, you guys expected us to finish last in the league. I go, and to myself, I'm sitting there, Alex. Who who picked the Pacers last? I know I didn't. I thought they'd be I in did. the bottom tier. <laughs> you, you had the Pacers last, really, because there's no way they were going to finish below Houston, below Orlando, um, maybe Detroit. I, I I had them probably penciled in four or five, certainly not last. So I was chuckling even to that point, even more than the Wally Zerbiak is, is that's, you can see the outward emotion of a player internalizing what is a general belief by some maybe outside, even if it's not true, let's say. Um, so I will say, I think the first couple games after Zerbiak's comments, Certainly were atop his mind at this point, 10, 11 days later, two weeks later. I'm not sure. Probably you're still thinking about it. I think he's probably considering, hey, over the last 10 days, we've played phenomenal ball outside of a dud in New Orleans, which was probably their worst showing of the year. Outside of that, okay, we found something. We're, we're, we're trying a new starting lineup. This is working. Different rotation. How about the bench coming together? So many other things to like and highlighted probably by his ability to close. So, yeah, I do think he internalized those comments and they did fuel him for at least a couple games. Is he now? Maybe a little bit, but I would hope not. He, I don't think he would need it at this point. Now you talked about a lot of things coming together. You know, the bench unit has been great. This, this team is still very young, but as they're heading in the right direction, getting hot right now, do you think that changes the mindset of should they be buyers towards the, the NBA trade deadline or perhaps sellers? What, what are you thinking? Or do you just kind of ride the course one game at a time? I think you go into the trade deadline with an open mind right now. Um, kind of all indications right now that I get for the, from, the, from this team and especially coming from the G League showcase about a week ago was that the Pacers are, are just kind of content right now. They're not going to necessarily be buyers or seeking out things. Of course, they're going to get involved if they can, especially like I loved where I think it was Chad Buchanan especially helped get in with that, uh, what turned out to be a four-team trade and ultimately brought Karis LeVert here, sent Oladipo out. That was a last-minute thing that was not in the works by any means for like two months, three months. That was something that they, they jumped on, hopped on. It, it became a, a great opportunity. So at this moment, I see the Pacers just kind of surveying the landscape, and if there's a place for the get, them to get involved, they will. Um, but no urgency either way because you don't want to strap yourself in any one direction. I think you've had some early success right here. You realize you're not a contender right now. Yet, you don't want to take on a um, – ridiculous money maybe for a five-year contract for a future guy you want basically you want to maintain your flexibility going to this offseason where you're going to have a many three first round draft picks at least you're going to have cap space presumably and you can go in a variety of directions the only big question mark which i'm sure we'll get to is miles turner where again i still believe you have to have some kind of decision made by that february deadline 
Well, let's stay there, Scott, because I was kind of getting ready to ask you about this because to me, it feels like all signs point to Miles. He was pretty content with how things have gone this year, really likes his role. He's really thrived in it. I think he's played the best basketball of his career. And while I was firmly in the camp of move off of Miles, continue the rebuild, get younger, get a better draft pick, I think he might be the best fit for them at center, especially looking at the roster. There's no other center I think I can think of that could do what he does. And so I understand that it's a very tough spot for the Pacers to be in because of the, you know, the, they don't know the unknown of him wanting to resign or not, but from everything you've heard, do you feel like miles wants to be here? And is there any chance that maybe they come to a verbal agreement before the deadline and then finish it after the deadline, like an, like a contract extension that way they know they can have all that optionality up to the deadline where they don't lock in money long-term with miles that could impact their trade, uh, you know, optionality. Yeah, and that's a good point for your listeners, too, to make clear is they can, I'm sure you've probably discussed this, but you can renegotiate his contract, which takes care of the Pacers' concerns for the rest of the season in terms of reaching the salary floor and filling out some cap space, which they will, even if that does not happen with Miles specifically. That's not a grave concern right now. You have till the end of June. Um, But I I think ultimately, first of all, and I want to be clear, and I think you have as well, is I've never got the indication Miles hates it here. He wants out. Like, what are we doing? You know, this is miserable. I've never gotten that indication. Now, I think the team a little bit um, in general felt that way as a group, kind of in the Nate Bjorkren season as as a collective, by the way. Uh, But I've never got that indication that, you know, I hate it here. So I don't think his opinion has changed completely i think he's having more fun actually he he did say that i asked him about that because aaron neesmith said he's having the most fun he's had and he couldn't remember when and i asked miles is that the same for him and he goes absolutely they all point back to everyone working as a collective as a group playing unselfish ball not caring whose big night it is that sort of thing that would appeal to you also the fact that he's finally playing with a true point guard pacers have their best point guard since jamal tensley that i keep going back to um so that would you know, everybody loves playing with Tyrese right now because they know he's not out for himself like some guards might be or hunting shots. He might if they need it, which we've seen at the end of games. Um, so where I think things are with Miles right now, although to be clear, um, a lot of people right now are being kind of quiet. And when it comes to Miles in his situation, he's got a new agent, which I don't know if it changes the dynamic, but makes it more interesting in everything. Um, but I, I, I think what you do if you're Miles is you listen to what kind of dollar figure the Pacers would be willing to offer you. And if it reaches that, and if you don't think you can get much more in the offseason and you don't have other priorities like I have talked about in the past, such as a bigger media market, which would then command more attention for uh, both playing on national TV, which would also lead to maybe more awards, potentially defensive player of the year, those sorts of things, all NBA defensive team, that type of thing. Um, I think that kind of had appealed to him. Um, basically a long winded way of saying, I think a lot of it for miles will have to come down to this being his biggest contract he'll ever sign. Are the Pacers going to offer him that comfortably? Um, is he going to be able to get much more? And also um, then you, you, then you're able to kind of figure out your destination later, which probably is the right move for any player. Yeah, to your point, I do believe this is the contract for Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. And and if Turner can stay healthy, he should have a lot of suitors. So I do think he'll be in popular demand. But to Alex's point, he talked about there's not really enough 
bigs challenging Miles to make the Pacers feel like they could move off of him. One of those bigs, Jalen Smith, someone everybody expected a little bit more of coming into this year when he was named the starting power forward. However, he has since moved to the bench. Uh, I was looking through a couple box scores. The Pacers are 7-3 and three with Jalen Smith coming off the bench. Barring any injuries or trades, do you think Rick continues to bring Jalen off the bench as the team looks like they're starting to hit their stride? Yeah, I think it'll continue at least in the short term. Um, one thing we have seen from Rick is he's not opposed to tinkering, changing things up, maintaining that flexibility. Um, so we did see about eight games ago, Aaron Neesmith starting full-time right now over Jalen Smith. And more than anything, why I thought it was noteworthy was the fact that that was one of the, I don't know, carrot sticks they were dangling for Jalen to re-sign, right, in this past offseason. A change otherwise is not really too noteworthy, but the fact that he re-signed with the Pacers in part because of the premise that he would be a starter moving forward makes things interesting, certainly for both sides. I know um, that's one area where the Pacers, I think, do need to get some clarity is there's just a lot of overlap. Um, in the backcourt right now, how do you get Chris Duarte going after six weeks of injury and then coming back to the lineup and not really finding a groove? And I don't necessarily put that on him specifically. It's just there's other guys in front of him. Like, who are you, you going to take minutes from right now? Um, same goes for the big man. Your last two first-round picks that were centers aren't even in the rotation right now. And, in fact, Isaiah Jackson headed to the G League for a couple of games, which, by the way, I commend him and the team for doing. That's exactly the right call. And uh, while I would like to see it with Goga, you just don't see fourth-year players generally, unless it's an injury, go to the G League, even though I think that would be great for him to get game reps. These guys are out of rhythm. They're out of sh a game shape. Just because if you don't play, you lose it. Um, but I, that's the one tough thing here is you just got a lot of overlap in the front court and in the back court and could use some help on the wing right now. So if they did address something at the trade deadline and certainly this summer, that's the number one position. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about a little bit on here with Duarte struggles. We haven't done a deep dive into it yet, but it's just been kind of unfortunate because like we talked about having a 30-point game and then getting injured within the first six minutes mm -hmm. of the next game off six weeks, and now he's coming back into a, a guard-heavy team. And a lot of guards stepped up while he was out, and, and they've really been playing so well that you can't take away their minutes. And now he's trying to figure out his role on the team. And then Isaiah Jackson, a guy that, I mean, a lot of people were really high on, myself included, he's out of the rotation as well. And so it looks like your 2021 draft class that everybody was excited about right. is now at the, you know, barely getting any minutes in the rotation, and one's watching every single game. So it's kind of like... Don't want to punt on guys too early, but with the way the roster is built and how many young guys they have in front of them, is there a good chance that maybe they're used as trade pieces moving forward? I think the one thing I emphasize here, just like if they were crushing it right now, is that's why I take at least three years to review draft classes. I know a lot of people like getting after it right away. Rick Carlisle even joked about, you know, when they redo this draft class, you know, what will Halliburton be number one? Well, that's too soon even. Um, so I, I want to give it time, especially for a center and Isaiah Jackson, who turns 21 in a week. So <laughs> he's still very young. Hadn't even celebrated his 21st birthday. Um, that said, I could see potentially a guy like Chris Duarte being moved. If you don't move a, uh, a buddy heel, it seems like it's one or the other, right? Just in general, not on reporting there. It just makes a lot of sense because there's too much overlap uh, between those two players. Um, when, when you consider that, and I thought 
going into this season that you might see Chris Duarte in the starting lineup. I thought he'd be there where Andrew Nemhard is, but mm-hmm. Nemhard and Neesmith, they are in that lineup. And to go back to a question a couple ga- uh, times ago, purely for the defense, and that's what Rick, Rick's really liked is those two have earned that role uh, rather than like Jalen not playing well or, or not. Re- it, it, he says it's purely because of what those two have been able to provide especially though on the defensive end. And I think we've seen that true in the last couple of games when they face those big wings, which is one of their biggest weaknesses, right? Um, with the Pacers in general, you've seen all the length of the Raptors, PG and Kawhi, and, and you can go all the way back there. You know, I thought it was funny to your point of, you know, waiting three years to reevaluate draft classes. You know, Nemhard is that guy that felt like Carl kept bumping up. You know, oh, he'll be a first round pick. That's right. He'll it wasn't, the, yeah, yeah, it wasn't Halliburton. It was Nemhard. Halliburton, but yeah, he kept saying, like, oh, then he'd be a lottery pick. Like, a couple <laughs> of years from now, this guy is going to be looked at as a top 10 pick in that draft. So I yeah. thought it was funny. Yeah, it kept moving up. But, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit about Isaiah Jackson. I think coming into the year, I was extremely high on Ijax taking that step forward. I felt like if he could create his own shot, a, a lot of good could happen for him. And, and you, you know, I think I'm with you. It was the right move to go down the G League, get more playing time. What's missing from his game this season in year two that maybe we hoped would have been there? I think one, staying out of foul trouble. That's always been one of his bigger issues, um, going against the more physical bigs. Now, I thought he's begun to do a better job in that. Um, you'd like to maybe see him a little bit more active on the boards. He doesn't have a three-point shot, so it's not like you would be expecting that to take any big leap. He's not one that even shoots a, a long-distance shots very often. But uh, to the bigger picture, I can tell you that's one thing that you know Rick is encouraging all his players to do. If you're open, take the shot. Otherwise, you're penalizing the team, really. Uh, that's something... You know, when Terry Taylor went to the G League showcase, we were talking at length about um, while they don't want to settle for threes like I thought they had done several weeks ago. Now they're finding this and striking the right combination of attacking when need be more so like the last game or settling for threes when when it's open um, and how they can balance one another. But I I, th- I just think about Isaiah and I think he just needs reps. He needs 20 minutes a game. And looking down, you know, his last game log, three minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 18, 12, 12. To me, that's not enough. And talking with Goga over all these years, you know, 10 minutes, he barely has found a rhythm out there for him personally. And I think that's also the case in general with bigs. Um, I mean, how many times in the past have we seen Goga maybe start or play a big role? You see 25 minutes and he might have a double-double, he plays seven minutes, and you're like, what is he even doing out there? He's unproductive. So I think that's also perhaps a reflection, too, of Jackson, is if he's getting 10, 12 minutes, you're probably so concerned of not messing up and trying to keep things afloat that you really don't get comfortable out there. Maybe you're overthinking a little bit. Then you're pulled, and you don't get back in. Um, So I think there's a lot of factors, but I don't think there's necessarily one thing that, you know, he's just not doing this. And I, and I think the front office has, and especially Carlisle, has been really complimentary of Isaiah Jackson. So I don't really anticipate them moving him. I would I'd be kind of shocked if they did. I think they really value what he could do. And quite frankly, I would actually like to see him maybe play some at the four next to Miles more often than they already have, just because I feel like those two could be an interesting duo. And like you said, they lack size. And maybe he's kind of that X factor in the playoffs. Like, okay, we know you're a little bit taller than – uh, what we want from a wing, and you're not really a shooter, but with Miles being able to shoot on offense, maybe you can guard somebody bigger on the perimeter, which might not be great, but it might be a better option than trying to throw a Buddy Hield or another, you know, like a smaller guard on there. But 
Yeah, it's a it's an interesting place for them to be at. But I, I want to go to Buddy Hield real quick before I uh, wrap this up here with you, Scott. I just feel like Buddy Hield has been so important to this team. It feels like the fan base is just crazy about him. I don't know about you, but in starting introductions, when I've been at the games, especially recently, feels like he gets the loudest cheer. And I mean, that's no knock on Tyrese, but it's just like the fans have fallen in love with Buddy, myself included. I've really enjoyed watching him play. He's just been a breath of fresh air. What do you think his long-term uh, future looks like here in Indiana? Yeah, first of all, I think that's a, a per- he's been a perfect example of maybe why when you acquire a guy that you you don't want to hear about the other stuff or what happened with the previous team. And I'm talking if you're the team acquiring him. You want that fresh start, a clean slate, and that works works for both sides here. And I think Buddy has benefited so big from just getting a, a fresh start and going elsewhere, and he feels free. He's being embraced for what he does and not criticized for what he can't do or doesn't do well. Um, he obviously has the green light to to shoot away, and I, I can't not mention him and not mention that incredible start to the game several games ago where he, it just perfectly flows right into his shot, and that was just beautiful. <laughs> um, but you also have to have a confidence that going right into your shot and starting the game that way when maybe your coach had diagrammed the first possession, like what part of that's veteran know-how? But I, I think so many times, more than any other player, Buddy has singled out his faith in Rick. And so that doesn't go unnoticed for me. Now, in terms of his future here, I can't. I don't know how you trade him right now unless there's just an incredible offer out there. Because if I'm the Pacers, you have to do. You do have to consider: Does it get any better than this? Could he play any better later this season? Could he have any more value this upcoming summer? When you really have to consider: Is he part of your core moving forward? As he's 30 years old, will you know, be needing a new contract. Now that said, what's his biggest strength? It's shooting. Those guys could probably play till they're 35. So he probably has at least a couple more contracts, a three-year and a two-year deal left in him. This dude loves the game. He's going to be the one that hangs on and tries to play, I believe, till he's, you know, 38 and still shooting away. Especially considering guys that he hadn't, he hadn't reached the playoffs yet. Like that's something for a guy that loves the game more than perhaps any other player I've covered. He hasn't experienced those big moments. And I think once he does, he's just going to crave more of it. Um, so right now, I, I think my thing is you keep him unless you you receive an offer too good, you can't pass up, meaning a lottery pick this year, maybe two first-round picks this year or next year, for example. Um, something much more than just uh, here's the 22nd pick in an upcoming draft. That, you know, it, it's hard. It doesn't really move the needle one way or the other for you, knowing he has another year under contract at a very reasonable number from what he contributes on a consistent basis. Yeah, to your point, it's hard to ask more than leading the NBA in three pointers made for a three point shooter. I mean, so right now his value is at its highest. Yeah. But I mean, the chemistry between him and Tyrese is so evident. His teammates love him, the fan base loves him. So the Pacers are truly in a pickle. But for my last question, you know, the, I mentioned the other episode. The Pacers have the most underdog wins now in the NBA because teams that you know they're not favored in many games. But what do the Pacers need to do to make everybody a believer? Because we're about at the halfway point in the year. Thirty-eight games through the season, forty-one's the halfway mark. I mean, what's that one thing they really need to improve upon to be taken seriously with the rest of the the league's playoff teams? I was going to say, clarify, you know, seriously, in terms exactly. of what? Not contenders, I, I, playoff teams. 
Yeah, okay. That that's totally fair. Because to this point, I was just gonna say, I think what they've shown over the last week at the is that they are being taken seriously as an opponent. I mean, Toronto comes in and has a full bill of health. The Clippers come in and don't sit Kawhi and don't sit PG. We've seen opponents in the past, guys, right? Where LeBron's out tonight. Uh, Clay Thompson's not playing this one. He's choosing this back-to-back to sit out. So I think, first of all, as a team, the Pacers are absolutely on the radar and they are absolutely being taken seriously. I think in terms of playoff picture, I think you got to say you got to get through the trade deadline just so we know what the team looks like. Is it the exact same? Um because right now you're you're on track for what 45 wins or so just rough math here that's about what the pacers were doing in years in years past where they were you know the six seven eight seed um I, and i think they've maintained it well enough where it's no longer just a hot start taking advantage of one of the easiest schedules to start the season now is a, a significantly difficult part portion of their schedule you know that they had that very difficult road trip early on i think they went two and three which i thought was about what you'd want to be the minimum to be called successful trip, considering all things. So I think they are very well on their path. It just depends on do they have injuries, which you hate to discuss or mention. They've had a clean bill of health for the most part. If that doesn't change and they don't shake up the team by any means significantly, then I think they are definitely in the playoff picture. When you consider the other teams out there, who wouldn't put them above right now? Let's say the Knicks, the Hawks, the Wizards, Bulls, even the Raptors. And so they're right in the thick of things right now. Yeah, and I think the great thing about this team is just like you said earlier, their optionality, their flexibility moving forward. A lot of young guys and a lot of young contracts. And I know that that could get a little bit you know, crowded with you know, Halliburton's max extension probably coming up here shortly mm-hmm. in the next year or so. If you extend miles, what does that number look like and how much room does it really give you? But I think right now you just have to be excited about the way this team's playing in the direction they're heading. But last question for me, I'm throwing an extra one in here because I feel like we don't, we haven't talked about him enough probably this month, just because, you know, there's been other storylines, but Benedict Matherin obviously won the player of the month, October, November, come December, did not shoot the ball particularly well. And it was a bit of a struggle for him, but still found different ways to be impactful for this team. And then starts off the 2023 year, you know, with a great game against the Raptors, what, what have you noticed about Mather and just being around the team that makes him so special and makes you feel like this guy is the real deal? I think, number one, he loves the game, which, yes, I'm repeating myself, but that's also something to keep an eye on with this roster is, you know, you look at the top, and among those players, that's an attribute the Pacers have targeted in the last year. Um, that's among the top things on their list is they don't want just good players or guys that like the game they want the guys that got to kick out of the gym at night. And so that's something Rick keeps reinforcing by the way too. Right. Um, so I think that the fact his competitive drive, uh, this team had lacked that toughness, that, that guy, I hate it's overused, but the dog in him, right. Um, Lance had that. He brought that to last year's team, but that guy, you know, he's a guy that was signed late in the season. You need that from a regular contributor. So I think he brought that where he's not going to back down to anyone. Um, and I, I, the other thing I will say is for a guy so young and so early into his NBA career, I think his composure, his poise, especially when you consider how many hits he takes both by the defense and when he's attacking and kind of t- bringing it on himself. I, we had that, he had that, I wouldn't even call it an incident, but he was just coming down against, you know, OG Ananobi the other night. OG kind of shoved him and he was like, hey, what are we doing here? I was just trying to gain my balance. I'm good. Um, 
you know, maybe another young player would have thrown a punch or would have gotten the guy's face or tried to show some fake toughness. There's nothing fake about Ben. And so, thanks, Siri. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's one thing that's really jumped out to me. And I, I think some were quick to say, like, hey, he's got he's on the rookie wall. You know, you know, he's had a bad couple of games. I think a lot of it, and this goes true for a lot of this roster with their lack of with their lack of experience is so many of them are just trying to figure it out. They're trying to learn through experience, learn how to play with one another, learn each other's spots. And, you know, maybe it's Buddy going off for a week. So that means Matherin doesn't get as many shots, for example. Um, so I don't think he or Nemhard really have experienced that quote-unquote rookie wall yet. But Ben has just been spectacular. Um, really good interview, I think, off the podium is where he, where he gets really interesting. And, um, yeah, I, by the way, I will use this to tease an upcoming story. When I was at the G League Showcase, I talked with his coach from um, the NBA Academy. So this is the 17-year-old Ben. And from that conversation, I was like, oh, this has been Ben all along. He hasn't changed at all. Absolutely love that tidbit. Scott, it's always our pleasure having you uh, back on the show and tell everybody where they could find some of the awesome content that you're putting out. Yeah, just uh, write almost daily at fieldhousefiles.com. I've been this season, I've been doing a running thoughts, kind of a post game story after each game. I'm not a big game story guy, but that has seemingly gone over well. Everybody seems to kind of like those tidbits mixed in with some play by play and other notes. Um, so then there's that. And then I promise I'll get the Fieldhouse Files podcast restarted. I think I've done like one episode in the last three weeks. So, yeah, let's say I haven't I apologize, really. Alex. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> oh, by the way, I got to get it in. Thanks for having me, Fauci. Oh, you almost <laughs> got it right. Almost. Hey, well, you know, we can't ever have Scott on without asking him a percentage question. So, oh boy. The percentages in your head that the Pacers remain intact with the starting five past the deadline, what percentage do you give it? So, the starting five would basically just be Miles or Buddy, is what you're yeah, saying. The two biggest trade candidates, obviously. Uh, yeah. Oh. I'm so 50-50 and in between with Miles, still kind of trying to get a good read on that situation. I would say right now, to me, all indications from the team and elsewhere are that uh, let's keep at a holding pattern, no changes. So I'm going to say 80%. Oh, you'll, you'll see okay. it continue. But again, which is why I hate these, is tomorrow <laughs> it might change. But it, it very well could at this moment when we are recording this on January 3rd, life is good in Pacers Nation. So it doesn't feel like you got to switch anything up. But to your point, anything can happen. Absolutely. And so many of the conversations that might lead to trades, guys, haven't even happened yet. We're, yeah. what, six weeks or so out. And, you know, and so many things. There was this, I had a couple agents call me over the weekend. Hey, is this Obi Toppin rumor true? I hadn't even heard of the Obi Toppin rumor. <laughs> and I still haven't found the original source, which tells us. Sean Devaney. Oh, Sean Devaney? Yeah, Devaney, excuse me. I don't know how to say his name. Like, you Gosh. don't know how to say Fachi's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Touche. Well, at least I have that one answer. But yeah. Yeah, that's that's part, it's part of the game. I know it's part of what people enjoy is just the general conversation. But sometimes you got to check yourself and be like, I haven't even heard the rumor that people are talking about with the rumor to the rumor. So keep that in mind as you uh, navigate the next month or so. <laughs> hey, rumor season is officially upon us. I mean, <laughs> Indeed. With, the, with the trade deadline and, you know, the near future, uh, I expect rumors to heat up. But, Scott, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show. We'll have to have you back on soon enough. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, Fachi. Once again, always a great time talking with Scott Agnes. But 
Anything else you want to bring up before we close this one out? No, I just want to say, man, this this has been a great time I, I, to be a fan. I've spoken to a lot of listeners of the show saying they're either you know new fans of the team and, and they love what we're doing. They're having a blast. Or maybe they've been there in the long run and, and this is everything they've been waiting for. Whatever it is, I mean, this is a time that you got to get out there to the field house, support the team. you got to be just kind of pumping up the squad because – we're hearing that the Pacers are feeding off of this. I mean, Gamebridge is becoming a now a tougher place to play. So support the team in any which way you can. And we definitely su- appreciate all the support that you've given us. Absolutely. And I want to say last episode, I called out Rooster for his terrible performance of the shrimp cocktail eating contest. And, you know, Fachi, we're going to probably owe him a jersey this year. But I think we, definitely we might want to take a chance to see if Maybe we can buy him an entertainment system instead of a jersey because my guy has got a brand new TV and he had to put it on a folding table to watch a game last night. So this man is just struggling on here. So I, if you want to get something besides a jersey, maybe we can get you a nice entertainment system to put your put your TV on or maybe we can get you some shrimp cocktail eating lessons over there Ooh. at St. Elmo's. But with that being said, Fachi, I, uh, I can't give Rooster too much of a hard time, but let's just say he did reach out to me after the last episode and uh, – he might put his son up next time for the contest. So uh, I think that'd be the best bet for the family, not to get embarrassed once again, just humiliated. But Fachi, I don't want to be any more mean than I already have been. So please tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F a C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Subscribe to our shows. We're going to have an episode out for you probably this week, maybe next week. But make sure you check us out there. Subscribe if you haven't already. And Fachi, if you believe the Pacers are going to keep this winning streak alive, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com